0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. The
1: Lord. Whatever you do, don't lose the awe of being in the presence of God. Don't ever let this get old. Don't ever let this get old. Don't let earth, ever let it get commonplace. But let the Spirit of the Lord always be a welcomed th- thing in the atmosphere of our church. Praise God, what a great thing to aren't you glad you came to church? Amen. <laughs> great day. Amen. Like most of you, I started my day very early this morning and was trying to take care of a lot of business and and uh, kind of walked in the, the side door there after the service had started, and what a welcome presence of the Lord. Man, Just feel those strong arms. Lift us up. Praise God. Let's pray over the word of the Lord today, can we, and ask God to touch it to our lives. We love you today. We thank you, God, for the power of the Holy Ghost that is demonstrated in our midst here this morning. And we know, God, that what is connected to the strength and the foundation of what we feel is an absolute love and devotion for the word of God so I'm asking you today as we share the word, that you would allow the word to become the centerpiece of our lives, not something that we hear for a moment of time, a fleeting thought, but I pray, God, that it would be planted in our heart, in our lives, and that we would wrap our arms and our heart and our lives around your truths. Let them be central to our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen. You can be seated Praise God. I'm reminded again today of how important the Word of God really is. I need the, a love for the Word of God, a love for the truth. Amen. It's a dangerous thing not to love truth. It sets us in a unique position in a very, very negative way if we don't love the truth. The Lord said He would just let us believe a lie and be damned. Amen. That's a, that's a frightening thing in my opinion. And I ask the Lord to help me love the truth and to love his presence and, and understand that what we feel today, and I'm very thankful and I think our musicians and singers and people involved in that ministry understand what I'm say, what I mean when I say things like this from time to time. I want you to understand that what we are feeling today is not just the end result of the beat of a drum. We're not just being moved by talent, but we're, what we are feeling today is the foundation of the Word of God, and why we feel what we feel to the depth that we feel it is because we didn't just straighten up to come to church today. Amen. We've been living this all week long, been praying all week long, we've been in the Word of God all week long. Amen. Am I telling the truth today? Amen. We didn't just think about this. We didn't just think about this a few moments ago and drop by here as though we're going to be some kind of presentation or a drama or a moment of entertainment or a social event. But we've been thinking about this and praying about this and warming our hands and our heart over the very idea of this very Sunday morning service. And we've come here with intention and we've come here with purpose this morning. If you have your Bibles, I will invite you back to the book of James in chapter 4. We're going to begin reading in just a little bit in verse 13. But I want to uh, talk about something today that I think is paramount to all of our lives. And uh, I want to talk about the will of God for us. And uh, how we should respond to the will of God for all of our lives. Now, I think it's imperative that we understand the value of differentiating among the ministries of the church and that we're not all called to do the same thing and the will of God for each of us is not identically the same. As a matter of fact, I believe that God uniquely calls all of us to some facet of work and it becomes unique because David said of all of us that we are individually Fearfully and wonderfully made, and so even if I could just use this, even those among us today that are called to the ministry, to a pulpit ministry, there should be a line of demarcation in between all of us. No one should be trying to emulate the other person, but we should just let God use us as us. Brother Tenny has often said, "There's no sense in trying to be somebody else; there, it's already taken." And uh, and that slot is already spoken for. And so let's just be us. And so responding to the will of the Lord. Um, there's a lot that could be said about this, and I will do my best today to do these passages of Scripture justice, or at least as much justice as I have the ability to do. But I think nothing more clearly summarizes the character of someone who is genuinely living for the Lord, then for that person to understand, I want to find and be in the will of God for my life. I want to be in the will of God. And um, I don't think that the will of God is this ever-elusive um, bubble that we can just quite never get our hands on. And I also don't ascribe to the fact that the will of God is just something that we can randomly get out of. Amen think we can get out of the will of God, but I believe someone who is really following after the Lord and seeking after the precepts of God, when we step out of the will of god there 's going to be something foreign about that there 's going to be a foreign feel about that, and uh, I understand my audience today is an adult primarily an adult audience, and so I will take some liberties in that regard and and I hope not to be presumptuous but I think that something's just going to feel uh something will feel unnatural when we are out of the will of God. I think there's a check in the Holy Ghost. That's the spirit of God. Just going to just there's just going to be a sounding. I don't necessarily think that equates to the thunder and lightning and things of that nature. Um uh, I don't think an angel's just going to swoop down in front of my face and say uh uh-uh. uh but there's just gonna be something in our heart. Now, we can override that and override that and override that and just go on our way because God has given us our own self-will, which is probably one of the most dangerous gifts, gloriously, but one of the most dangerous gifts that God has ever given man is that we can decide, we can choose. But David wrote in the 40th Psalm, again, I don't have all of these scriptures, so I'm just gonna be referring to some of them, Uh, In Psalms 40 and 8, I delight to do thy will, O God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. I delight to do thy will, O God. Thy law is in my heart. He also said in the 143rd Psalm, he said, Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Thy spirit is good. Lead me into the land of uprightness. And so that doesn't sound like to me a man who has one arm wrestled behind his back and he is being forced to do what he is doing. But there's a delight, there's a joy in doing the will of God. And so I, I think while we should have certain compassions and understanding and and perhaps um, uh, have, have an openness to the, the real struggle that sometimes people are involved in, or sometimes their calling uh, evokes in their life or invokes in their life, I think that we should be very careful that we not pity someone that is doing the will of God. And uh, it's easy, there's a pretty good, uh, easy illustration, but it would be easy for us sometimes to feel sorry for missionaries who are working on foreign soil to think, Oh my, they're missing out on this, they're missing out on that. But you see, when God calls you to do something, He puts that burden in your heart to do it. And I'm not I am not discounting the struggles. The struggles are real, and I'm not discounting some of the the very formidable mountains that they face from time to time. But we should not pity them. Amen, we should have a burden for them and get on board to support them not only in finances but in prayer and to think about those things. I'm uh, I'm often encouraged by missionaries uh, like I have a bookmark here, missionaries that often bring things of this nature. They're just subtle reminders. They help us uh, remember to pray for them and lift them up in prayer. And so you don't need to feel sorry for somebody that's doing the will of God. That's what God designed them to do my oldest brother and my middle brother in their younger years were both in the drywall business as well as uh some of my cousins and they were uh, all used to work to not necessarily the same time together but all working in the same thing and i would hang out with them i called myself working but i would hang out with them looking back on it i was probably just more hanging out with them And uh, it's a very tough job, a very physical job. And and, uh, sometimes to help them get through the day, they would make this statement, I'm doing what I was born to do. And so today, when it comes to the will of God, we ought to be able to have that mindset. I'm doing what I was born to do. Amen. I'm going to tell you today, it's not a surprise. God is not shocked that I am behind this pulpit holding this mic. He called me to do this. Amen, I'm doing what I was born to do. Amen. And so whatever it is that you're doing, God is not surprised by that. And so James is, is doing the will of God. He's trying to identify some things that, uh, that become landmarks for us. Paul characterized true Christians as doing the will of God from the heart in the book of Ephesians chapter six. We're doing the will of God, not begrudgingly, but from the heart it just flows and you know when you're involved in, uh, when you're involved in any facet of ministry and the work of God um, I'm going to tell you that you need there's a few questions you just need to take right out of your bucket like how much is it going to cost how long is this going to take what all is this going to involve we just need to sign up and show up amen am I talking to anybody just sign up show up and uh, and we will we, it'll all be over when it's over. It'll all be done when it's done. <laughs> Amen. The words of a familiar hymn. We sing this from time to time here that says have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Thou art the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. Listen to this line. While I am waiting, Yielded and still. Just have your way. While I am not resisting you, but while I stand yielded and still. What power there is in that old hymn. And so I believe that a true mark or a mark of a true believer, perhaps a better way to say that, is that we would live by the mantra of our heart, not my will, but thy will be done. On the other hand, uh, I think a constant disregard for God's will is a certain mark of the presence of pride that I know this is what I should be doing, but I'm just going to do what I would rather do anyway. Pride is a very ugly sin. It's underlined and addressed many times in Scripture. James has now been focusing on pride in our study for several weeks now. And so as James has already pointed out, God opposes the proud in chapter four and verse five, but he says, but he gives grace to the humble. And so I don't wanna be in opposition to God because I will just tell you, that's a battle you're not gonna win because God's God and he's pretty good at doing what he does. He's pretty good at being God. And so if God opposes the proud, then it is incumbent upon me to check my heart and to check my life and make sure that the spirit of the Lord is going to grant to me the grace I need and that grace is going to come through the wings of humility. And so for those who refuse to submit to the will of God, we give then evidence of the fact that our heart is really not right with God and we're going to do what we want to do. I've talked to many people through the years and I don't want to sound like I know it all today and that nothing could be further from the truth, but I have talked to people, I have, I have talked to men at the end of their life who said in particular they felt that God had a call upon their life and they spent their entire life running from that call. What a sad thing. What a sad thing to to run from the call. I get I get fear and the, the trepidation and I get the anxiety and the uncertainties that go with what God sometimes beckons us to do. But I'm gonna tell you we're much safer in the hand of the guide of the God that will guide us. Than we are to just say, you know what, I, I don't want to get involved in that. And you know, some people kind of feel like, and I'm meandering a little bit, but I think I'm I'm going to I'm going to plane out here like a boat here in just a moment. But some people have the idea that if they just leave the devil alone, he'll leave them alone. But That's not how the devil works. He desires us to have us to sift us to sweep. That's what the scripture says to destroy us utterly. And so I think sometimes we kind of bring a little bit of that mindset over that if we just ignore the will of God, it will go away. But that's not true. And so I want to do what the Lord would have me to do. I want to do what he would have me to do. I understand that from time to time, like David, David disqualified himself from being able to do certain things. He was disqualified from being able to build the temple, and so... Nathan had to come to him and say, you can't do this. And so David did not get bitter and bent out of shape and and uh, curse God and die. But David said, if I can't do that, if I can't build it, I can help the next generation build it. And so with great intention and gusto and at great expense, David utilized the relationships that he had already established And when it came time for Solomon to build the temple, a lot of things were in place because a man understood, I may not be able to do this, but I can sure do that. Amen, I'm gonna walk after that as closely as I can. I want us to go to verse number 13 if we can, and we'll begin there in James 4. And I wanna talk about the danger of ignoring the will of God. The Bible says it's a strange phrase. We'll talk about this. Go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such, into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? Is it even a vapor that appeareth for a little time then vanisheth away? For ye, For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Now, some may just kind of try to boil this down to semantics and say, I think you're just trying to split hairs there, James. But it's not semantics at all because he is saying, what what is it that you say, this is what I'm going to do tomorrow, today, or tomorrow? I'm going to go to such and such city, and I'm going to live there a year, and I'm going to buy and sell, and I'm going to get gain. And uh, he said, really, the truth of the matter is, is you don't even know what tomorrow holds. We have no idea now, the negative response to God's will is really, I think, by just trying to foolishly ignore it, and so James addresses this audience of people in a familiar Old Testament prophetic style, and so I, I think that's why these this, these phrases and these words shouldn't be lost to us. He uses the words, go to now, go to now, well, that's not how we talk today, and the 21st century. That's not how we would try to get somebody's attention, but that's exactly what it was. It was a call to attention. And so what James was really saying was, listen to me. If I wanted to get your attention today, I would say, look at me. You looked at me, didn't you? And so it's it's, go to now. He was trying to arrest their attention. Look at me listen to me it was a very serious thing you know i'm i'm um uh, my parents i've been an adult quite a while and my parents have been gone quite a while but i'm going to tell you when my parents said look at me right. <laughs> it may have been a long way from get your eyes from the floor to their eyes but you knew not to keep staring at the floor right yes, and uh so when you so james is getting their attention look at me hear me And the target of James' rebuke are those who said, today or tomorrow, we'll do this, we'll stay this long, we'll we'll just do our own thing. And so he's rebuking people that consistently speak about their plans as though God does not even exist. To be sure, planning and strategizing in business, that's not a sinful thing at all. As a matter of fact, it's, it's commendable. That we would do that, that we would have a plan, but we need to always understand that uh, that god's will should be first we uh, We print every Sunday morning we print a service schedule, and uh, we know uh, who's going to be singing and what song they're going to sing, and we know what key they're going to sing in, and uh, that prohibits somebody just starting out singing. <laughs> And a poor old piano player trying to find them somewhere along the way, and uh, and and all of these things. We know about what time things are going to happen. We know what's going to have to happen. What's going to happen after the singing, and, and then what's going to happen after that. And what? But but stamped across this, I, I, I can appreciate that you can't see this maybe, but stamped across this piece of paper, every day, every service, there is a watermark that says, "Unless God moves otherwise." This is our plan, unless God moves otherwise, and so someone may have practiced a brand new song to sing that Sunday morning, but the spirit of the Lord begins to move otherwise, and so whoever's in charge of that service, or whoever's leading that service, or whoever's at that pulpit at that particular moment, just may make eye contact with that person, and And I can tell you that 99.9% if not 100% of the time there isn't, we we get it. We understand. The Lord has moved otherwise and so we're going to do otherwise. So I'm not, and James is not speaking against having a plan but at the center point to me the most important thing on this schedule is not what time something happens or who's doing what. The most important thing is the watermark across diagonally that says unless God moves otherwise. And so uh, we need we need to understand that we need the Lord, the Lord. And so here are people that did extensive planning, but in the course of their planning, they never figured in God. As a matter of fact, they ignored God. Let's go to a very familiar um, parable that's found in the book of Luke chapter 12. The Lord gave this parable as an illustration of the foolishness of leaving God out of our plans. I know this is a very familiar place, but... But listen, the book of, uh, but, but go to now. <laughs> it's a familiar place, but go to now. Amen. And he spake a parable unto them. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself. Watch, watch in verse 17. This thing starts going off the skids pretty quick. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do? because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. And he said, this will I do. I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there will I bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee, then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. When you get through counting all of the invoices at the end of the day, James said, you're leaving here today and who is that gonna belong to tomorrow? Or Jesus said, you're leaving here today and who's that gonna belong to tomorrow? It's not going to matter. And so, you know, that kind of pulls the air out of the room, doesn't it, when it says, thou fool? Tonight, tonight your soul is gonna be required of you. You're just thinking about me, me, mine, mine, thou, ease, just do your thing and forget God. And so the first thing that James says is you just don't know what your life is gonna be like tomorrow. And so if it be God's will, and I don't wanna get ahead of myself, but I've met people and I commend them. I've never been able to perhaps hone this craft down as well as other people have, but they have literally so habitually uh gotten this idea into their heart so they talk about that a lot well, I'll see you tomorrow they say well of God's will have you met people like that you know, the, the, the Lord, okay well hey the Lord willing we'll see you all tomorrow now I'm not trying to get you to change how you talk but I'm just I commend people that, that it's just that near the surface of their thought I mean, it's the end of the day and, and, and we're, we're breaking company and we're, we're scheduled to be back tomorrow and we're just waving by. Hey, you know, we don't mean that presumptuously. A lot of times we, I'll see you in the morning. We don't mean that uh, as ex, ex, excluding God from that uh, altogether, but I appreciate people that kind of check my spirit and say, what if the Lord's will? We'll, Lord willing we will we'll be here. I wanna tell you my plan, amen, my plan is to have church right here Wednesday night and I don't think there's anything wrong with that plan but we know that that's gonna be according to the will of the Lord and so the rich young fool in the Lord's parable was ignorant of the future. As a matter of fact, Solomon said in the 27th Psalm, just referring here to this, he said, don't boast about tomorrow because you don't know what a day may bring. You don't know what a day may bring. I'm going to tell you something that you've already lived long enough to figure out and that is that life is a long way from simple. We just have no idea. We just going along everything was well and then all of a sudden it just everything just kind of took a left turn it's complex life is a mixture of forces and my life is a mixture of events and life is a mixture of circumstances over the, which we have no control no control there i was minding my own business when someone ran a red light and hit me head on and uh, i was just going to work i was just doing what i should have been doing i was doing what I was scheduled to do and was thinking about doing and all of a sudden your whole life is upended and you live with some of those pains and you live certainly with those scars for the rest of your life no way to anticipate that that was going to come I didn't know she was headed my way until she was headed my way and there was no time to react or respond and so life is just a combination of circumstances and so we have to say Lord help me today Amen, sadly such people today uh, not only ignore the will of God but when we ignore the will of God we ignore the benefit that comes with doing the will of God. Uh, I think as a born again Christian we have a great consolation and a great hope and knowing that the God of the universe controls the circumstances of my life. I didn't see this coming but the Lord did. I didn't know this was going to happen, but the Lord did. I didn't know at the particular time that I had that automobile accident oh so many years ago. I didn't know this for many years, but this good man and his wife came to see me in the hospital and I was later to find out on their way home that, that brother Gibson said, I don't know what it is, but the Lord has got his hand on that man's life and God is going to use him and God's going to use these circumstances right now to to his good and to his betterment. Amen. I that's a long time ago. Elder. Amen. I had no idea. You had no idea of the events that would take place at that, from that moment until now. Amen. And here we are today. Praise God. Isn't this a neat moment? Praise the Lord. Amen. Here we are today. We have no idea. But the Lord is going to take this circumstance. He's in control. And so when we didn't know what we were going to do, and it wasn't over in a day, a week, or just a couple of months. When we didn't know what we were going to do, the hope we had was that God is in control. He saw this coming before it ever began to unfold. And we're going to put our trust in Him. And so we have hope in these four words, no matter where we are. God has a plan. Amen. God has a plan. Things just give birth to themselves right in our life, right in the middle of our day, right in the middle of our life and our schedule. We didn't see it coming, didn't know what was going to happen. And I'm not saying that we're not upset, and I'm not saying that it doesn't give birth to questions, but we do know this. God has a plan, and God will see me through this. Praise God. Praise God. The psalm, psalmist David said in the 37th psalm, in verse number three, trust in the Lord, he said, and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt Thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy ways unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. Where are you? I may really, in truth, be in a journey of a lot of uncertainty, but really where I am, I'm in the hands of a God. I'm in hands that are bigger than mine. I'm in arms that are stronger than mine. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. God has a plan. I'm gonna walk in his will. I feel the Holy Ghost is ministering to somebody today. Amen, I feel the Holy Ghost is ministering to multiple somebody's in this house amen God has a plan and it's not always comfortable and he doesn't always answer our questions in our timely fashion but God has a plan Solomon said in Proverbs 3 and 5 trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths I try to pray often I try to pray often Lord I don't know what today holds but order my steps in your word. I don't know what path I will take today, so order my steps in your word. My God, I feel something building in this house today. Amen. I'm going to trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Amen. It's so difficult not to lean to your own understanding. It's so difficult not to lay all the paperwork on the table and say, but this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. Lean not to thine own understanding. But here's what we can do. In all our ways, acknowledge him and he will guide us. He will guide us he will lead us oh my, God, my God my God he he will lead us Jesus. praise God my Lord I feel the Holy Ghost James James gives the second reason That leaving God out of our plans is a foolish thing. James starts talking about the brevity of life. I want to say this with great, great deference to our elders here today. But I'm going to tell you there's some people in this house that could stand right now and tell you that life is moving so much faster than you can dare imagine. I was visiting with our elder just yesterday afternoon and before I left, he said, man, life, life is going fast. Life is moving fast. We're just a vapor. That's what James called it. He says, life, you disappear for a little while. vanish away. Amen. Life, just a puff of smoke. It's just a blip on a radar I'm not trying to sound uncouth today, but i'm going to tell you that that when this life is past, those that were are here and remain are just going to pause for a little while, a few days at best I'm not trying to be unkind but i'm just and I'm certainly not trying to diminish the pain that our loved ones and the emptiness they leave in our heart but I'm just talking about the reality of it all that we're just going to have a a service and we're going to sing a few songs and it's all going to be over and life is just going to move on. It's just a vapor. You're just here for a season of time, and so how foolish it would be to know that it's so brief. It's just so brief. And and and, and you know what? When we get to a motel room, uh, my wife loves to decorate. But and it's maybe she hadn't even thought about this, and I may be just giving her some ideas. But when we leave the house, we take enough with us, but we don't take decorations. We don't take stuff with us to decorate the motel when we get there. We don't take all kind of pictures and hang our own pictures on the wall and put our own plaques and our own little, I'm not sure they still call them whatnots, but that's what they used to call them Whatnots all around the room. You know why? Because we're not moving in. We're just staying here for the night or just a few nights. And so it doesn't matter what the picture is on the wall. It doesn't matter what color the paint is on the wall. It doesn't matter what color the carpet is on the wall. My God, I feel the whole Holy Ghost in this today. Amen. If we understood how brief life really is then we would not be so worried about the things I'm gonna quote my friend, Brother Jerry Dean from Bozier City today, when he says, we sing, this world is not my home. He said, but we don't live like it. We sing about it, but we don't live like that. He said, we sure do drive our tent stakes pretty deep in the ground to, on Monday to get up on Sunday and say, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. If we understood how brief it is. Amen, I wouldn't try to take pictures with me to a motel room and I wouldn't try to take this to. I'm just passing through you will probably never see me again we may never even visit this establishment again we're just passing through (laughs) you're not going to need all this information you're not going to need to try to get a hold of me and build a relationship I'm not here long I'm just spending the night I'm just spending the week and then we're going to be on our way I feel the Holy Ghost today in this to tell you. Amen. We need to say, Lord, help me to do your will and not get so caught up in this present world that we are living in. This world is just a vapor. It's just a season of time. God amen we do try to be conscientious when we're leaving the motel we want them to think someone human stayed there but we don't take comma cleanser with us clean the tub're not this we don't own this we just rented it for the night I know all those clothes on those three carts we brought through looked like we were staying there longer. (laughs) That implied that we were going to be here longer. But trust me, in the morning, all three of these carts are going to march right back out. (laughs) Hey, two of those are mine. I'm not throwing rocks. I promise you. (laughs) Two of those are mine. It's just a brief time. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, this sink drains a little bit slow. It'd be all right. We're just here for the night. It's okay. Everything's not just exact. It's okay. Because all I need is a nap. I'm just passing through. David stressed this fleeting nature I know we most often read this scripture, Psalms 90 at a funeral, but he stressed this fleeting nature of human life when he said the days of our years are threescore and ten. Seventy, in other words. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore or eighty. He said yet is there strength and labor and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. Now when you start talking about 17 years to a 15-year-old, that's four lifetimes. But there's some people here that's a little bit closer to 70 than you ever dreamed you would be. And in your opinion, 70 is not nearly as year, as old now as it used to be back in the day. Because we say, you know, they just acted older. <laughs> Look at them, they dressed older. And you know what, a few decades from now, people are going to look at us, our pictures, and say, look at them. They just acted older. And they just dressed older. And that's how it all is. But it's just 70 years, if by reason of strength there be 80, amen, summing up the Bible's teaching on the brevity of life. David wrote this in Psalms 103, verse 15. He said, "For as for man, his days are as grass. As the flower of the field, so he flourisheth. For the wind passeth over it, and it is gone. And the place thereof shall know it no more. This beautiful flower that was growing. And it was so beautiful that it caused us to stop and look and sometimes to take a picture and try to capture that and the essence of that for eternity but he said, but in time the wind is going to pass over it or the wind's going to blow it away and then it's going to be gone and the place where it was planted will never know it again. Sounds cold, doesn't it? But it's just how it is. No matter how beautiful this is, one day a wind is going to... And the place where you were planted won't even remember that you were planted there. These first verses are aimed at those that ignore the will of God and, 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 and the intention is to make them aware of the frailty and the brevity of life. So I ask again, who are we to plan our lives without yielding to God? Amen. My, my time has just really, really gotten away from me this morning. I think they sang way too long. <laughs> Opening this whole deal up this morning, just sang way too long took all my time but if you'll bear with me I feel the Holy Ghost in this praise God I really do feel the Holy Ghost in this amen and we'll just give you a break in the second service we'll just eat it all now how's that amen so we can't guarantee ourselves that there will be a tomorrow so if our ushers need to bring our Sunday school in if somebody can get them I think they can hear me Amen. So here's the ultimate point. Since we don't govern our lives, we should at least make room in our lives for the one who does. Since I don't have any say-so over this, I need to bring alongside the man who has all the say-so. Amen. James talks now about this third point of the danger, or maybe another word we could say here, the arrogance of denying God's will. In the 16th verse, James says this, but now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Now, the first wrong response to God's will is just to present, you know, just being presumptuous in our spirit and ignore it. Like, as though the will of God for our lives does not exist, But there are also those that acknowledge the will of God exists for their lives and that God has a will for their lives, but they just reject it. They live outside of that. I'm just going to pretend that's not there. Now, those in this first group are, are living as though God does not exist. Those in the second category are just simply refusing to Um, acquiesce to the uncertainties of the will of God for their lives. I I don't know if I can do that. They set their own goal. They want their own way to do their own thing. You know, some people, when they go off, they are not going to ride with you. You are going to ride with them. (laughs) I I just shoehorned that in there so quickly. Some of you didn't even... Didn't even have a chance to see that coming, and I apologize about that. But some people just got to be, you know, their deal. <laughs> and uh, I guess I need to move on here. I'm feeling <laughs> quite, quite, must be a lot of that going on because there's a lot of a lot of pushback going on here. But anyway, they set their own goal, they do their own will, their own thing, their goal above God's will, and in their mind. God is not, whatever God wants is not nearly as important as what they want. Even people that have the Holy Ghost sometimes are guilty of setting aside God's will in favor for just kind of doing their own thing. And, and those that deny God's will, James says they boast of their arrogance. The word boast can mean to speak loudly, of course, uh, either in a legitimate rejoicing or kind of flaunting somebody, you know, flaunting their own accomplishments. But... Uh, the other word he's, he uses is the word arrogance. He uses the word boast and he uses the word arrogance. And the word arrogance comes from the root word meaning to wonder about or that gives a reflection of self-importance. So here's someone that kind of speaks loudly and it's all about them. They're just really, really important. And it sometimes is used to to describe uh, people that are charlatans. And, and uh, you know, some people still to this day... Um, are just charlatans. They're just going about just trying to take advantage of other people's welfare and well being. And, and, uh, and there's nothing there that's, that's real. It's just this little snake oil salesman kind of mentality. Taken together, these two words draw a very, very clear picture. It's a picture of somebody bragging pretentiously about something that they don't have and, furthermore, something that they can't obtain. It's just talking, talking, talking. You ever met talking, talking, talking people? There's no substance there. They just talk about all they're going to do and all they have done. And that all sounds good unless you can prove otherwise. This is arrogant. And James says of those, they deny the will of God. And then James goes further with this and he says these foolish boastings, they're evil. Now that's an odd word to kind of throw in there with boasting and arrogant. James kind of pulls it all down to where we live and he said this is evil at the end of the day. The same word for evil is also used as the title of Satan, the original sinner. And so James is really trying to get our attention here to say that you can't ignore the will of God. You can't pretend it doesn't exist. You can't go outside of the will of God. Amen. Those that arrogantly deny God's will, amen, they emulate Satan's sin. Amen. They may well suffer his entire doom as well amen so we got to be very very careful that we not try to just ignore the fact that god has something for us to do i want to talk about the the sin of disobeying god's will in the 17th verse he said therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not to him it is a sin When we know what God is calling us to do, we just try to tune that out and push that away. Amen. That now, James has called it arrogant. He's called it boasting. He's called it evil. He's boiling it down to sin. This is getting serious. Amen. Those that affirm God's existence and they acknowledge His sovereignty, but they refuse to obey the Word and the will of God. Can I tell you today that I don't get in this pulpit on Sunday or Wednesday or no other minister in this church gets in this pulpit and try to propagate anything that's just about Hatchman Apostolic Church. We just preach the word of God. Amen. The word of God. And the word of God when it finds a place in our heart and when lights of revelation begin to shine in our life, when you start turning a deaf ear to that revelation and you start trying to close your eyes to what God has revealed to you, ma'am, sir, her, that is a dangerous journey you're on. That is a very, very dangerous journey that you're on. Amen. I don't want to refuse to obey the word of God, his will. Amen. James rebuked such people. He specifically categorized them as one that knoweth to do good and doeth it not. Amen. Those in this third group know God's will. They affirm that it's good, but they just ignore it. I will tell you today that there are some people I know personally, Firstly, some people that would defend baptism in Jesus' name with everything they have. They would defend the oneness of the Godhead with everything they have, but they're not living it, and they're not walking it. Hey, man, they're on the other side. Can I tell you, you're in a very dangerous, dangerous place. It is not enough to know it. We've got to walk in obedience to it. Hallelujah, you've got to walk in obedience to it. It's not about what you know. At the end of the day, it's about what you do with what you know. Praise God. Amen. Perhaps no greater example of this exists in Scripture than what we find played out in the life of Jonah. Jonah knew the will of God, but he refused to do the will of God. He was called by God to preach to Nineveh. But instead, he said, I'm gonna go the opposite way. Only after being severely disciplined by God did Jonah finally submit his will to God's will I want to tell you today that I do not want to be that person I do not want to be that person that God has got to get me in a headlock and God has got to make me cry uncle before I say Lord I'll do what you would have me to do can I tell you that no matter how many questions you have about the will of God for your life it is a much more comfortable shoe to wear to be in his will than the shoe you're trying to wear out of his will hallelujah 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 I'm going to tell you that the Lord has kept his hand on all of us. Hasn't he? Amen. He has been there to lead me and he's been there to guide me. That doesn't mean life has always gone my way. It doesn't mean everything has been explained to me and I understand every little nook and cranny and every hairpin turn that life has brought our way but I can tell you that through it all Amen. Through it all I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all I have learned, amen, that he is my God. Through it all I have found him faithful in the midnight hour. Through it all I have found that his word was not just a book that a a Sunday school teacher held up before me, but through it all I found his word to be true. (laughs) Through it all his word, his word was not just something my mother and father shared with me and a youth pastor shared with me but through it all his word was something I could take out and I could apply it to my heart and I can tell you when I was down to nothing amen God was always up to something amen and he made a way where there was no way God has been so good Woo. <laughs> oh my God My God, help this preacher today. Amen. God has been so good. (laughs) Yes, he has. God has been so good. When you are in his will, he will take care of you. I hope you don't think I'm being pompous or arrogant. There have been times in prayer when I was so overwhelmed I looked at God and said truly this is your problem and not mine. Because this is so much bigger than me. This this is your problem. I need you to take care of this. Amen. Praise God. My, my, my. I want to go back to verse number 15. And I want to talk about the blessing of acknowledging God's will and walking in God's will. He'll keep you. Yes, he will keep you. Yes, he will keep you there's a blessing that comes with walking in the will of God verse number 15 for that ye ought to say if the lord will we shall live and do this or that that's the response that that generally marks true believers in every aspect of the word in every decision that they make these are the cornerstones of those decisions if it is the will of God. I mentioned a moment ago people that live by that exact statement, they have so immersed themselves in this train of thought until it bleeds out of their conversation if it is the Lord's will. I think that's something that so, should be so central to our heart if it is the Lord's will. By acknowledging his will, we we declare his sovereignty over every aspect of our life. We live only because God wills us to live. Uh, Hear me. We're alive today because he gave us breath. Just hear. Don't be fooled by those 70 years the scripture makes mention of because... I've preached funerals that were way, way, way less than 70. We can't think we have some kind of guarantee and that we're all just gonna cash it in kind of at the end. But I wanna give God my life. God controls the events of our life. I wanna tell you something, and I don't want you to to think this is a strange statement, but just think it out with me. I believe that doing God's will is, is a form of worship. Because we are doing what God called us to do. Amen. So I am worshiping you in what I am doing today. If I could just use me as an example, not I'm just because I'm holding the mic, but I believe that I've been worshiping the Lord today, not just preaching and teaching. I believe I've been worshiping the Lord because I'm doing what God called me to do. And so I didn't just preach out of obligation, but I am worshiping the Lord. I think it ought to be done from the heart. It, it ought to be what we do, it ought to be done as a way of life, as a way of life. Amen. I, I have, I hope, successfully conveyed this to my family through the years, and, and I hope that we have done this. But, you know, I, I don't want ministry to be looked at as um, a job. We don't do church and then just go home and become something else amen it, it's just a way of life an absolute an absolute way of life and that's how it should be for each and every one of us i don't want to i don't want to just use any particular person including myself in an example and thereby exclude anybody from what I'm talking about. I believe that it ought to be what we do. It ought to just be from our heart. You ever just been around people, and And I don't mean they're doing it for show. You can tell when it just kind of just bubbles out. And they're just, they just have a praise the Lord in them all the time. You just, just praise God. Praise God. Hey, it's just there. It's so close to the surface that every now and then it just kind of jostles out. Glory to God. That's my goal. That's what I'm reaching for. It's just a way of life. I don't want to have to try to warm up to praise and warm up to worship. Amen, we recognize that God empowers us to do whatever we do. You know, life is life for all of us is just life and sometimes it doesn't all pan out like we want it to do and our days don't all go like we would like for them to do and, and there have been times I have a, a, a regular time or season of prayer uh, as far as a daily type thing and there's sometimes that your schedules are off and and, and, that, and and then you're called on to do something and I want to make sure that I don't just lay my hands presumptuously on somebody's head or kneel down and presumptuously pray and just think I can do this because I know how to pray and I have a few little words and prayers kind of committed to memory. No, I want to first just step off to the side and say God I need you. I need you to touch me. I need you to anoint my lips. I need you to help me. Amen. I hope I'm, I hope I'm not uh, leaving you with the wrong impression today. Amen. I'm, I'm not trying to talk about just a little quickie prayers to fix the lack of a prayer life. That's not what I'm talking about. But those days when we don't are not able, life or the schedule or whatever just change and upsets and now we're called on to do something. I don't want to just pick up the mic and say, hey, I can handle that. I want to just grab something the oil and say, hey, we'll just pray that prayer. I want to say, Lord, please help me right now. I need to wash these hands. before you. I need to wash my heart. You know why? Because you are the one that empowers this sermon. You will be the one that empowers this prayer. You will be the one that empowers this next song. You will be the one that empowers me to sing. You will be the one to empower. You will be the one to touch a heart if a heart is touched. We've got to have you. We've got to have you. Yes, we do. Praise God. John 3 and 17, if our musicians would come, Jesus pronounced the reward given to those who do the will of God. He said, if you do these things, happy are ye if you do them. If you you know these things, happy are you if you do them. And so how we respond to God's will is another test of true Christianity. I think a strong desire to do the will of God is a mark of a transformed life. So here it is. Here it all is in a nutshell today. Each of us would do well to learn this simple, simple lesson. When we take it upon ourselves to make decisions for our, concerning our future, when we just take it upon ourselves, we are walking down a dangerous path. Because I don't know what tomorrow holds. I believe that we should always consult God, always. I'm not talking about asking God about something while we're on our way to do it. I just need to know your will, Lord. We should pray about every decision. Can I get a witness in this house? Every decision that we make, we ought to pray about that. I'm talking about decisions that can, that can affect the welfare of our life. Whether it's buying a car or a career change or, or, or whatever the case may be, I believe we need the will of God, the will of God. Sometimes I don't know how to find the will of God. And so I just ask the Lord, if it's not your will, close this door. If it's not your will, just stop all this. Just shut it down. You have have my permission, God. Shut it all down. It's not that important to me. Just turn it all off. Amen. Amen. So God's will ought to be the center point of our life. Ultimately, the mark of every true believer should be what Jesus prayed in the garden, not my will, but thy will be done. Amen, let's stand together. There's no happier place to be than in the will of God. No happier place. No greater place to be than in the will of God. Just let his spirit touch us and Amen. I've felt a tremendous presence of the Lord. I've felt a ministering presence of the Lord today. Amen. I don't think the Lord is through. Amen. I think God wants to seal some things now that's been said. (laughs) Praise God. I wonder if we could just lift our hands, our hearts, our voices together. Lord, I'm asking you today, please, oh God, to touch me and anoint my mind and my heart. I'm asking you to touch this word, God. It's your word. It's settled in heaven forever and established. God, anoint us together. in Jesus'
0: This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic